This is Business Breakdowns. Business Breakdowns is a series of conversations with investors and operators diving deep into a single business. For each business, we explore its history, its business model, its competitive advantages, and what makes it tick. We believe every business has lessons and secrets that investors and operators can learn from, and we are here to bring them to you. To find more episodes of Breakdowns, check out joincolossus.com. All opinions expressed by hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions. Hosts and podcast guests may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Today, we will be breaking down Datadog. If you've ever used Control-Alt-Delete to force quit a frozen application, you've experienced the activity monitor on your own computer. Datadog is that activity monitor for all of a business's systems across apps, tools, databases, and servers. It is a SaaS-based monitoring platform that gives enterprise IT teams real-time visibility into the performance of their entire software stack. Datadog was founded in 2010 and has repeatedly outdeveloped competitors to build a comprehensive IT monitoring platform. Today, Datadog's market cap is over $40 billion. To break down Datadog, I'm joined by Peter Afringa, the author of Software Stack Investing. During our conversation, we discuss Datadog's unique product development cadence, how they're able to grow their top line at 60% a year while staying profitable, and why Web3 might be their biggest competitive threat. I hope you enjoy this breakdown of Datadog. Peter Ofranga, welcome to Business Breakdowns. Thank you. Happy to be here. We're breaking down Datadog together. Let's just start with the simple question of what does Datadog do and give us a sense for its scale as a business? You know, at a high level, Datadog is a monitoring and analytics platform for cloud-based application infrastructures. Using the Datadog platform, IT teams get visibility in real time into the performance of their software delivery stack. This can span the full stack from the lowest infrastructure layers, like underlying hardware, network, and operating system, to the top-level application code, which measures response times and user experience, and can include all the other systems in between, databases, third-party APIs, CDN, etc. In terms of scale, you know, Datadog is in high-growth mode, even as they continue to grow. In 2020, they generated $600 million in revenue, which was up 66% year-over-year. For this year, they're tracking towards $1 billion in revenue. Bottom line, they're profitable on a non-GAAP basis. They did about $60 million in operating income last year and had an operating margin of about 11%, and that's continuing to increase. And how many customers do they have? And give us a sense for the depth of that or the breadth of that. Yeah, I mean, at the end of this past quarter, they had over 16,400 total customers, and that was up 36% from last year and really represented a record number of ads in the quarter. Just for a sense of overall growth, you know, at the end of June of 2019, they had about 8,800 customers. So they've never really doubled the number of customers in the last two years. And that customer base is pretty evenly split between SMB, mid-market, and enterprise companies. And when you're looking at the business outside in, is there any other scale metric that you find particularly interesting or valuable about the business? Datadog reports on the number of large customers, which they define as more than 100K in ARR. These now represent about 80% of Datadog's revenue, so it's a critical contributor to growth. At the time of IPO, they only had 590 of these customers. So this counts almost tripled in over the last two years. On the platform side, they've just got really massive scale. They process over 10 trillion events a day and cover millions of servers and containers across all of their 
customers, and that scale is really hard to replicate. We have integrations with over 450 external systems for data inputs, which really makes it easy for their customers to set up data dump because they've got integrations with all the different application services, web frameworks, you know, that developers usually want to connect to. For those who are less tech inclined, can you help us understand the basics of the backend tech stack for an engineering organization? I'm thinking servers, applications, data layers, just what does all that mean? Help us understand it and help us understand where Datadog plays into it. For a modern website, first you have a set of servers. That's generally the hardware that is hosted on a cloud environment. And those servers, they'll be running the applications that drive that website, but it's important to monitor how those servers are performing. What I mean by monitor is they have different metrics that measure their performance. So examples are like CPU, the amount of memory that they're using, the amount of disk space that they're using. And those are all important indicators of the health of that server. And they provide continuity or comfort that that server is running as expected. So on top of that server, then the website will have software running. Usually that's the software that has the code that's driving the website, and that's written in a variety of different languages. But that handles the rendering of the user interface, whether that's in a browser or a mobile application. It handles the business logic, which makes decisions around how a user can shop the site, authentication, whether they can log in or not, processes the payment, and then there's data. And the data is, of course, stored in a database. That's where all of the product or pricing or user data is stored. That software is then what's monitored through what we call application performance monitoring, where as the user traverses the consumer experience, it's measuring the interactions of that user with all of those different components that I mentioned. And then really the third leg is what we call logs. And logs are just these long lists of events that have timestamps that indicate things like errors or certain user activities. Those are essentially captured by all the servers. But the problem is that across hundreds of servers, each server has its own set of logs. So it's really important to bring all those logs together and then analyze them and look for common errors or other user types of events that are important for a website operator to be able to track. Let's talk about the actual product. What problem is being solved? How did it sort of emerge as a problem that was there? And what was their solution? And why do you think it's winning in the marketplace? Datadog is obviously needed for monitoring because the software delivery stack is getting more and more complicated every year. You know, an application can span multiple cloud installations, third-party services, CDNs, data sources, etc. Datadog gives teams more visibility over the performance of this cloud installation. Now, they started in infrastructure monitoring in 2012. Uh, they then expanded into application performance monitoring in 2017. They've then since added log analysis, which involves searching logs for errors and events. These three capabilities, it's kind of important to note, are called the three pillars of observability. And this is something that you know, really distinguishes them by having all of those in, in one tool set. Let's take a small step back. I'm not a technical consumer, let's say, or I'm a person listening to this, but I know DoorDash is an app and I know some things about it. Maybe walk us through the stack. What does a business like DoorDash or any of these Peloton use in terms of some of these major buckets? What was the problem that existed that Datadog came in and solved? I think it'd be super helpful to map exactly kind of this backend infrastructure for people. I think I can provide two good examples that help clarify how it's used. So one is Peloton. So as you know, Peloton's been experiencing really rapid growth. 
They've been a customer since 2017, and they started with infrastructure. But their highest priority for their engineering team is the core user experience. They want to make it as easy as possible to, to hop on a bike, find the class that you want, and make the most of the class. And because of that, it's really critical for their engineering team to monitor how the system is performing across the board. An example of like a high-scale feature that they've really had to tune is the virtual leaderboard, which we've probably all seen where, you know, it kind of tracks your individual performance and then compares that to other people. And what Peloton did is they adopted Datadog's application performance monitoring product. They started instrumenting that leaderboard. They measured all the performance of all of the endpoints that kind of drive the leaderboard. And they were able to reduce the response time of several of those endpoints by 80 to 90%, which really benefits the user experience and then also cuts down on user server usage. The teams commented on the, the ease of use. They found it very easy to integrate with, to import all the data drives that particular function. They also found the data visualizations easy to use and configure. Another example is Instacart. So they've been using Datadog since 2018. You know, they're, they're interesting because they've adopted several of the Datadog products. They've really spanned the full set, including logs, infrastructure, APM, and they even recently added security monitoring, which is a new area that Datadog's been expanding into. And they said that some of their favorite features are first log analytics. really allows them to, what they do is they track the user's experience through a session on Instacart. So they can see which products the user requested, the database queries that were made, the response times and errors that showed up, and really track that full experience from end to end to make sure that it's working as expected. And they also use what's called the log rehydration feature, which allows them to pull in historical server logs as far back as several years. And these are really useful for security audits. And before, prior to Datadog, all that work had to be done manually. They would Operators would have to log into individual servers, pull those logs manually, and then put them together by writing their own scripts. But with Datadog, that whole process automated. It's easy to pull all of those logs together. And then the last big use case for Instacart is they leverage security monitoring to isolate behavior of any um, malicious users. They had a big problem with users trying to take over other user accounts through what's called credential stuffing, which is really just trying to guess another user's password. So with security monitoring, Instacart was able to find those cases where a single user was trying to take over another user's account that would display on on a dashboard, and then operators could quickly take action and, and generally block that user. Inside the organization of a place like Instacart, who is the actual customer? The customer is primarily the engineering team, but it really leverages its concept of DevOps. So if you're not familiar with DevOps, it, it kind of evolved from the idea that previously the development and the operations teams were separate within an engineering organization. Often they would work at odds to each other. You'd almost see a lot of finger pointing where it was very hard if there was a performance issue on a site to isolate, well, is that an operations issue because maybe the database ran out of disk space or is that a developer issue because the code has an issue? So the DevOps movement emerged as a way to solve for that by encouraging those teams to work together and look at a common set of tools. So by looking at a tool set like Datadog, the developers could see what was happening on the infrastructure and the operations folks could see what was happening in the code. And it really made it a lot easier for them to troubleshoot problems by looking at one tool set together. So in terms of 
who are the customers within the organization? Well, it's generally target data dog targets, those developers and operations folks collectively called DevOps. They usually report up into the uh, CTO or the VP of engineering within the uh, technology group. DevOps typically in an organization is responsible for uptime and making sure the app is usable and ready and scaling. And so it sounds like that in this case, that's the main customer for this business. You mentioned obviously earlier, it's going to get to a billion dollars this year in revenue. It's not an old company. It's a pretty young company. So can you talk a little bit about the founding story? What was happening before this business existed? What were the unique insights that fueled it? Datadog was founded by Olivier Pomal and Alexi McCoy in 2010. They were both working at a company called Wireless Generation, which provided digital educational services for K-12 programs in New York. And at the time, Olivier was running the development team and Alexi was in charge of operations. And they experienced the same problem with DevOps that I was describing, where their two teams were siloed. And when there was an issue on the wireless generation experience, the two teams were kind of at odds with each other. And there was a bit of finger pointing in terms of trying to figure out where was the issue. In parallel, the DevOps movement kind of emerged, and the two became involved in that in New York. They were actually attending a lot of developer meetups. They were participating in conferences, and they decided collectively that they were going to set out to solve this problem by really addressing the issues that they experienced themselves at Wireless Generation. That was the genesis for Datadog. They left Wireless Generation when it was acquired by News Corp. And they set out to create a product that could reduce that friction between the development and operations teams. And that was really the genesis for Datadog. I guess what I really like about these two founders is the fact that they're both come from a technical background and that they've lived the problem. They know what customers, they were customers of this type of service. They know what customers want. So they're able to form this very clear idea of what an appropriate product solution would be and how that meets the needs of basically DevOps teams. And they're still uh, running the company today. So Olivia is the CEO and, and Alexia is the CTO. When you think about the, I guess, the unique insight, what was available at that time to do monitoring of your servers or your cloud technology? Before Datadog, there were a couple of approaches that teams would take. And, and I certainly personally lived through this as well. Teams often set up their own monitors usually involved like writing scripts and creating dashboards that kind of grab server data and graft it. Also, there were a number of open source tools that you could use to do the same things. There were some commercial tools as well available before Datadog, but they mostly focused on just one type of monitoring. So examples would be like Splunk for log analysis or New Relic or Dynatrace for APM. They would focus on one type of monitoring. And so in order to do true troubleshooting, Operators would have to toggle between all three of those in order to solve a site outage. So, you, and I live this, you would actually have to like look at New Relic for your trace data and then go and do a search in Splunk and then look at Nagios to uh, see how your servers were performing. Datadog's unique insight was the idea of bringing all three of those together into one interface. They connected log analysis, application traces, and infrastructure metrics into a single data model and a single user interface which really made that monitoring process for the DevOps teams much easier, much more efficient. For example, they might be notified the leaderboard on the Peloton UI wasn't refreshing. But with Datadog, they could see that underlying request to return the data was responding slowly because the database that was serving that data had the CPU pegged. Before Datadog, that would have required tracing between three different tools in order to get that kind of insight where Datadog brought all that together. 
I know. I mean, New Relic and Splunk are large businesses in their own right. So maybe talk a little bit more about the market broadly and the competitive dynamics at play there. The observability market certainly has a lot of players. Engineering teams have a number of options to choose from. The competitors to Datadog kind of break down into three areas. The open source, do-it-yourself solutions I talked about earlier. There's some legacy commercial offerings out there. You know, these were popular before the rise of the cloud, generally catered to companies that ran their own infrastructure. Some of the examples are like IBM, BMC, computer sessions, more legacy technology providers. And then, of course, as cloud proliferated, a number of these point solutions emerged, you know, New Relic is one for APM, Dynatrace as well, Splunk and Elastic for log analysis. But it's funny because as we look at the competitive space and you ask Datadog leadership where, if they see competitive infringement, you know, they still say that the most customer wins are Greenfield, claiming that they're generally still replacing in-house open source solutions versus running up against one of those other kind of modern providers that I mentioned. And I think that Datadog has the advantage because they were the first to deliver those three pillars of observability. And they've really continued to build out their platform much more quickly than other players in the interim. I mean, they not only did those three pillars, but then they added user experience monitoring, network monitoring, serverless, they just released database monitoring. Of course, they're expanding into security in other areas. Earlier, you talked about how the business is growing at 60 plus percent per year and profitable. Usually those two things don't go together. Can you talk about how they're able to grow so fast and profitable, tying in some of the most important metrics you look at when you think about the business? I think that their biggest strengths as it relates to the go-to-market process is their land and expand model. And there's really three components to that. The first is customer additions. So they add new customers at a very rapid rate. They've been increasing that count by 30% or more annually for the last several years. And really, new customers provide the baseline for future growth. The second is the expansion of spend. So that's measured by dollar-based net retention rate. They don't really report the exact value, but that's been over 130% for the past four years. And really why that's important is it means that customers on average have been increasing their spend by 30% or more each year. And that spend expansion drives the majority of their revenue growth each year in the last quarter. 70% of their revenue growth came from that expansion of spend. And there's two contributors to that. One is most of their customers are being digital natives, are actually increasing the size of their infrastructure footprint rapidly. So that generates more usage of data dog products. And then customers are adding more products over time. So a customer will typically start with one to two products, then they'll expand to three or four, six or more. And then the third is new product launches. So Datadog, they started, as I said, with one product back in 2012. They then added APM in 2017, login in 2018. In 2019, they added four more products. And why that's important is because they're continually expanding their product catalog. That rate is 30 to 40% a year. And so that allows them to capture a greater share of the customer spend. And because the leadership team's really well-tuned to a customer's needs, they've really demonstrated this ability to deliver products that customers want. And you can see that because every quarter they talk about the growing share of revenue of each of their products. And what you see is that the products that were launched in the past, that usage basically scales by how long the product's been in the market. So as they add new products, 
that customers generally adopt them pretty quickly. And each product's contribution to overall recurring revenue grows. So what we see is that even the newer products are starting to get traction. And then eventually they're growing to the point where they're adding significant amount of ARR each year. Pretty amazing, those three levers that they're able to pull. Obviously, the products are distinct. It sounds like they know their customers. Is there something unique they're doing from a sales and marketing perspective that allows them to have so many new customer ads kind of fueling this growth? Their go-to-market motion is really efficient. They're great at reaching out to developers. They attend a lot of conferences. They have a lot of direct contact or communication with developers. It's a very strong developer motion. In fact, it's gotten to the point where Datadog can continue to grow at such a high rate, even by spending incrementally less on sales and marketing. So in the last quarter, they only had to allocate 26% of revenue to sales and marketing. That's down from 33% a year ago. Whereas that's then allowed them to invest more in their research and development. Their R&D line, they made up 30% of revenue last quarter. That's been growing year over year. And what's really interesting is this inflection between uh, R&D and sales and marketing, where now Datadog spends more on R&D than sales and marketing, which is really unique. There aren't very many SaaS companies, as you know, that spend more on R&D than sales and marketing and certainly is unique as it relates to their customers as well. So it's that R&D investment that allows them to continue to add more products to the platform and build out the products or improve the feature set of the products that are on the platform. It's funny because that product improvement then makes the sales and marketing function a lot easier. Is this a trend you see across the observability space? Like, Is it just the space that seems to be very attractive or is there distinctness to Datadog's approach that you think is leading them to have this kind of profitable growth? I think that what's unique with Datadog's approach is the really rapid product development cadence. I think the other piece is just this land and expand model. They've really dialed in the ability to bring on new customers at a high rate and then expand those customers. I mean, if you look at adding 30% or more customers each year and then expanding the spend of those customers by 30% or more each year. You know, you, you add those two together and, and then you understand why Datadog is growing 50 or 60% year over year in terms of revenue, which is much higher than any of their competitors. I mean, you look at the last quarter, Dynatrace, their revenue growth was about half of Datadog's and their customer growth was much smaller than I was at 23%, you know, whereas Datadog was near 36%. So you start to appreciate the power of uh, Datadog's land and expand model when you start to do comparisons like that. And, and that really applies for all of those metrics that I talked about, where Datadog's customer ads, their net expansion rates, and of course, their revenue growth is much faster than any of the other competitors, whether that's Dynatrace or New Relic or Elastic or Splunk. The analog that keeps coming to my mind is Twilio, who was actually one of the first business breakdowns I did. And, and one of the unique things about Twilio was because it was so easy for a developer to use it, they just had to grab a line of code and start doing it. That made the top of the funnel easy to get people in and then build that land and expand. Do they do the same thing? Or are there similar dynamics at play where they just, the developer can throw their credit card on and start to use it immediately? And have they followed that playbook or co-created that playbook? That's actually a great parallel. As you know, Twilio is developer-focused and they make that onboarding super easy. Datadog's done the same thing. Any developer can sign up for Datadog through the website. They can activate it at a low rate. 
through a credit card or, or free account with some limits, but they can go through that try before you buy exercise. The other unique aspect or easy way to use Datadog is that it's dead simple to activate the platform. All you need to do is just roll out some code onto your infrastructure. It's a single agent, the Datadog agent that goes on all of your infrastructure. And then adding on new products is just an exercise in the admin tool. If a developer wanted to start with like infrastructure monitoring, just push out the Datadog agent to all of their servers. And then they can easily add application performance monitoring, log analysis, user experience, et cetera, just by clicks of a button within the admin tool. And now that is in some ways, in a lot of ways, similar to the Twilio Motion in terms of it making it very easy to add on new products. And then, of course, all those integrations I mentioned earlier, they make it super easy as well, much easier than you know open source or do it yourself, where you'd have to write. A developer would have to write code in order to import data from their web framework or from their database or from the SaaS tools that they use. Whereas with Datadog, that's all instant. All that integration code's already there and available for them. Can you talk a little bit more about the gross margin profile? Twilio, again, has this kind of lower gross margin profile because of the telecom space. What's the gross margins look like for Datadog and how are they trending? Yeah, Datadog's in the fortunate position of having a better gross margin profile than Twilio. That's primarily because they don't have as high of the origination costs. Of course, as you know, Twilio has to pay a third party in order to transmit SMSs and voice and such. Datadog, their gross margins run in the upper 70% range. Their long-term target is between 75 to 80%. The cost of revenue is related to delivering their products. And a big component of that is payments to the cloud infrastructure providers. So they do post on third-party cloud providers. So there is an expense there that's, of course, that's the difference between their gross margins and then some software companies that just sell package software, you know, that the customer hosts where their gross margins are going to be over 80% or more. You mentioned sales and marketing is coming down as a percentage of revenue, and it sounds like it's easy to get onboarded. They've really reached that developer community. Can you talk about a little bit about how pricing works and how this unique thing where their dollar revenue retention is 130%. What's creating that? You mentioned growth of the companies, but I'm curious a little bit more about how they price and how that ties into these attractive sales and marketing expenses. Yeah, so their pricing model is, I mean, it's usage-based. So it's charged on a per product, per month basis for the, you know, and they come up with a usage measure for each product. So for example, for APM, it's infrastructure usage is, is based on host. For logging, it's by data volume. The prices are pretty reasonable. Like APM starts at $30 per host per month. Infrastructure is half of that. Logs can be ingested for 10 cents a gigabit. What's nice is that the pricing is done individually by product type. And the usage is very predictable for a customer. So if I'm running an engineering team for one of these consumer internet sites, I know how many servers I have. I know roughly how much log data I process. And I can negotiate pretty favorable terms across the different products that I want to utilize. And I can each month know how much I'm spending. I can make adjustments to that based on how much of that data I'm running through the Datadog system or how many hosts I put the, the APM or infrastructure product on. So that gives me a lot of control over my usage. It's also very appealing, I think, to customers because it's easy for them to add on new products and then they know exactly what they're going to spend for that. So if I want to add security monitoring, I know that that will cost me 
20 cents per gigabyte of data that I'm running through the security monitor. And incidentally, the advantage is that if I'm using another product or another solution for security monitoring, now I may have the ability to pull all of that into one bill with Datadog where I can, from a large customer, negotiate some volume discounts and displace that cost with that other vendor. And the advantage, of course, is that it's all under one umbrella. So my team has insight into or access to all those different tools within one system and within one consolidated UI. If I were to choose to do it myself or through open source or through one of the other, maybe the heavier solutions or the other solutions, do they compete on price or how do they stack up relative to the rest of the marketplace? So there's two ways to think about that. One is on the open source side, of course, that's free. There's a hidden cost there. And that's the fact that the customer organizations have to pay operations, personnel, and engineers to set up that open source software and run it. That represents a a hidden cost. And wouldn't it make more sense, really, to have those resources focused on creating new customer experiences and reinventing the wheel that Datadog and the other providers have? In terms of the other modern competitors, they have similar pricing models. I think that Datadog competes fairly on price. The interesting thing, though, is that some of them are starting to move to these all-in-one pricing models. And what that means is they'll give customers access to all the different features for one universal usage fee. And that's either based on the amount of data processed or the number of users that access the tool. Datadog, and I would agree, takes the perspective that they think most customers actually prefer the a la carte menu approach because it really gives them optionality to say, hey, I want these features. I don't want these other features. Therefore, I'm going to pay for exactly what I want to get. And speaking of the competitors, how has AWS and some of the changes that have happened in the cloud world affected Datadog? Why does someone choose Datadog instead of just going with AWS's native solutions? Yeah, well, the interesting thing is the cloud vendors... They provide some very basic tools for infrastructure monitoring, but they really haven't evolved their observability products into all the categories that we talked about. You know, I guess it's hard to say why they didn't, but that may be because a lot of the observability providers were already in the market when the cloud providers kind of started gaining traction. They just haven't really evolved and built out the feature set as it relates to observability. And I think that, you know, at this point, they've decided to do partnerships with uh, independent providers. So Datadog has a co-selling partnership with all the major cloud vendors, you know, including AWS, Azure, and GCP. The specifics of each one vary, but they generally consist of being included in the vendor's marketplace, some level of consolidated billing, uh, and even system integrations, you know, which have been working on with the Azure team. And those relationships aren't necessarily exclusive to Datadog. They try to remain neutral. But at the same time, I think that's good evidence that the uh, the hyperscalers aren't interested at this point in competing in, in that space. Who do you view as their largest competitor and, and why? It's interesting because on one hand, the existing modern providers, Dynatrace, probably their biggest competitor, mostly because they have really strong enterprise penetration. They also have a pretty mature APM product and have been rounding out their offering as well. I talked about how Datadog has been out executing Dynatrace in the past. Splunk is another one. Splunk is interesting because Splunk's been around for a long time and they do have good penetration among enterprise customers. The challenge has been that Splunk has been adding the capabilities around the three pillars of observability through a lot of acquisitions. 
have been done in kind of a bolt-on fashion, where, for example, they added their APM capability, but for a long time, that was separate from the core log analysis. So you literally had to kind of go between two different interfaces in order to do diagnostics. They've since consolidated a lot of that, but I still feel like from a product point of view, the data dog offering is more complete and more mature. Another area that we do need to watch out for that I think is interesting is how there are a couple of providers who are in adjacent areas, security in particular, who have made their intention to potentially move into the observability space. So in the same way that Datadog is moving out of observability into other areas like security, you see companies like CrowdStrike, who's a leader in security. They recently bought a company called Humio, which does log analysis. And the primary intent was to supplement their XDR offerings, but they've made it known that they also have intentions to uh, expand into more traditional observability use cases in the future. You mentioned the M&A strategy. Can you talk a little bit about their M&A strategy and what makes it unique? So when they acquire a company, one thing they intentionally do is, is not continue to keep that company's product out in the marketplace to minimize confusion for customers. They basically will shut down taking on new customers for that company, and then really focus the engineering teams of the two companies on taking the technology and the back end of the acquired company and repurposing that onto the Datadog platform so that that feature set is available within the Datadog platform using a single data model, you know, really using the single user interface, and then they relaunch it. And they've done this in two cases recently. So the first is in February, they announced the acquisition of Screen. Screen is a SaaS-based security platform that enables enterprises to detect and respond to application-level attacks. And they just recently incorporated this into a new beta product that's called Application Security. And what that does is it looks for code-level vulnerabilities, usually SQL injections or cross-site scripting attacks. The second one is Undefined Labs. That was announced last year. And and what Undefined Labs did is they provide testing and observability capabilities for developer workflows before pushing to production. And this one's interesting because Datadog's products have been primarily focused on the production environment. What Undefined Labs does is pushes them into more of what we call the pre-production environments, like the development and test environments. So it gives them this bridge into the developer world. And so in both of those examples, Screen and Undefined Labs, Datadog made the acquisition and then they pulled out the technology and, of course, the team and then relaunched it as part of the Datadog platform. And how do you think about that from an enterprise value? Someone looking at the business, is it just adding to that dollar revenue retention number or what's happening there? So it really feeds into that land and expand model we talked about earlier because it then adds two new products that are, in this case, two new products that now... Datadog can offer to its customers and its customers consider for upsell. So application security is a common use case, and they may very well be using other vendors for that, or maybe don't have a solution in place, but they certainly need one. So what that offers is the ability to essentially expand the market into application security. So the observability market is and Gartner estimated 44 billion by 2024. You suddenly got this whole new market. And application security, which 
in theory, could be as big as observability at some point. So these acquisitions are, I would say, primarily expanding the TAM, whether it's in security as it relates to screen or in developer functions as it relates to undefined labs. Let's look forward a little bit for this business. So when you think about if it's 10 years from now and the market cap has doubled or more, what do you think are the big things they got right and the opportunities that sit in front of them? I mean, the big opportunity is simply the addressable market. It's huge. It's continuing to grow. The cloud providers provide us a good proxy for the growth. Because if you think about the TAM, I think that really in any engineering budget, 5 to 10% of that is going to be of cloud infrastructure is going to be spent on monitoring. So if the run rate for cloud infrastructure spending for this year, I think is about $200 billion, And in the last quarter, it grew by 36%. And I think that was $46 billion spent. That represents a fair amount of growth available for Datadog if they just continue to do what they're doing. And if they're approaching a billion in revenue this year, that's still a very small percentage of the available market. And then I think from here, what gets interesting for Datadog is, is really that, that product development velocity that I talked about where they have this very rapid cadence where they're able to build and release new products. If you think about this DevOps and now plus security that makes DevSecOps, while a lot of their product development focus has kind of been on the intersection of those three, the three of those development, security, and operations by themselves also have a lot of opportunity for growth. So recently, Datadog launched an incident management product, which provides a means for operations teams to coordinate and communicate around outages. That's a whole new avenue for them. I think that they could continue to apply observability into other areas within business operations like analytics, making it it's more clear, making the business more observable as a whole. Business is just a, a lot of different processes, whether they're sales processes, customer service, et cetera. That observability idea could be applied to those different processes, really expanding or providing another market area for Datadog to expand into. I imagine that reaching their tentacles into every little thing that touches a business, starting with the tech stack and providing the dashboard or the thing that helps all the monitoring across these sort of digital native businesses and and older businesses who become digital native. That is a big opportunity. This, This concept of observability in the abstract is really just the idea of taking any system and instrumenting it and then making it so that you can measure the outputs and really determine the state of the system i.e. making it observable. And yeah, Datadog's traditionally applied that to software infrastructure, but really any process that relies on repeatability or quality controls can be made observable, whether that's manufacturing or sales funnel, marketing campaigns. So I think there's it's a lot of interesting tangents You know, when you kind of apply this general label of observability more broadly into other aspects of the business. Beyond kind of the market's growth and some of this expansionary things, are any other opportunities that are notable or things they have to get really right to double the business, double the market cap? Datadog's an execution machine. They, they really have this motion down, you know, as we talked about adding customers, building out the platform. And it's almost like those three just continue to feed on each other, adding customers, expanding spend, and adding more products. So I think that that, in some ways by itself, will guarantee that this company has a much larger market cap in the future. And what about the flip side? What are the biggest risks or threats that you see in the business? You know, Datadog's business is really dependent on this notion of delivering applications over the internet. There are other ways that that's being done. I mean, no-code and low-code platforms are starting to proliferate. Those may not require a standalone observability solution. 
these web 3.0 software delivery models like dApps, blockchain, you know, they may bring their own observability tools. So it may not be that Datadog gets fringed on by a direct competitor that we recognize today, but it could be that the, the whole paradigm for delivering consumer digital experiences shifts in the future. Are they thinking about that and tooling for it in any way? Like if there is blockchain, how are they positioning themselves against it? They actually are. They know what's going on in blockchain. They haven't released any solutions specifically, but the counter is that, for example, the Web 3.0 delivery models, the blockchain, you know, a lot of that is still based on internet infrastructure. Those are applications that will still need to be monitored and that those users will uh, expect to have kind of a robust experience. So Datadog has every opportunity to be involved in that, and I'm sure that they're uh, keeping their eyes on what's going on. Yeah, this has been awesome today, Peter. We always end the podcast with the three same questions. We'll just go through them one by one. So let's start with lessons for builders. So when you think about this story, if you're an executive or entrepreneur listening, what's the big takeaway from the Datadog story? Yeah, I think there's two. I think one is technology opportunities can really start as people problems. So if we go back to Datadog's genesis, you know, it's really based on an organizational inefficiency. The development and the operations teams were siloed engineering team and Datadog encouraged them to work together. And they launched a product that brought those two teams together and you know, offered a consolidated monitoring tool set. And that company is now approaching a billion dollars in revenue. So the takeaway for that is people opportunities can easily, or people challenges can easily translate into product opportunities. I think the other takeaway for builders is simply that customers will pay for simplicity and ease of activation. This was proven that Datadog's kind of taking over a lot of the open source alternatives. They've shown the value of providing a solution that addresses most of the use cases and can be activated very easily. A lot of their customer testimonials really point to that, that the team at Instacart simply said that they love Datadog because it's so easy to bring on new users and to share data across the platform. So I think that certainly for builders or entrepreneurs, that's something that, that they should always think about. And lessons for investors? One is... Absolutely don't underestimate the power of land and expanse. I mean, I think the term is a little, can be a little overused, but they're a great example of the concept. As we've discussed, the go-to-market strategy really combines new customer additions with customer expansion. The fact that they're able to add customers at such a high rate and then expand the spend so quickly, it's really powerful. And their ability to anticipate the next set of products, I think primarily because they've got these technical founders who still run the company that were grounded in the space. I think the other takeaway for investors is just that product development philosophy can can be a competitive advantage. Datadog was the fastest to build the three pillars of observability, and they've continued to expand their footprint since then. That's resulted in kind of the highest customer addition rate and net expansion rates. So really, if you think about their mode, is simply the, the rate of change. It really feeds the business flywheel. They're going to continue to do this because they can afford to by spending and allocating more of their revenue towards R&D. And for those listening who want to go 10 times deeper into this, where would you guide them to to learn more about Datadog? Datadog is nice, and this is common with other modern security providers, and that they make the videos from their user events publicly available. So they hold an annual conference called Dash. It occurs in the second half of the year, but you can go back and watch the majority of the presentations from Dash 2020, they're all available on YouTube. And that has like the keynotes along with like product discussions, customer examples, that's all available to watch. As well, Datadog publishes a number of primers on YouTube. 
covered topics like site reliability, security, and some of the other areas that Data Dog's involved in. And that's all available for free. That's amazing. Well, Peter, thank you so much for doing this business breakdown of Data Dog. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me, Jesse. I hope you enjoyed this business breakdown of Data Dog. What I found most interesting in this story was how Datadog is able to both grow fast and be profitable while existing in a hyper-competitive market segment. It's a true testament to their execution and culture. To find more episodes of breakdowns ranging from Costco to Visa to Moderna, or to sign up for our weekly summary, check out joincolossus.com. That's J-O-I-N-C-O-L-O-S-S-U-S.com. 